You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 2nd, 2018. My name is Phil Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. I lied a little bit. I am actually going to have an episode on Thursday because today we're going to bring, it, we're going to bring back our special guest, uh, Stuart Hodge, uh, who... Asked us, asked me questions. I gave you answers, and we're hoping to make this a little bit more of an interactive feature in the future. But before we dive into that, and before we dive into my discussion with Stuart, there's a little bit of news to get to on this Wednesday morning, Wednesday, whenever you're listening to it. The Orlando, two more names have emerged in the Orlando Magic's ongoing coaching search. We'll talk a little bit more about that coaching search again later on. But two more names have emerged, confirmed interviews by Josh Robinson of the Orlando Sentinel, as well as Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com. And they're both pretty big names, one a little bit bigger than the other. The first one came early in the morning on Tuesday. The Orlando Magic, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com. Again, this, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Ime Yudoka, the assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs, will interview with the Orlando Magic. And our conversation coming up was recorded after this rumor came to light. Ime Yudoka, of course, has been an assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs, had a fairly decent career in the NBA, five uh, five teams, seven years, uh, journeyman NBA player, but one that a lot of players came to respect. Uh, if there's there's something that's notable about Ime Yudoka, it's that he uh, he uh, is someone that, that players have really taken to, uh, that, that they respect him, they respect his voice, he's got a very calm presence on the bench, he's... You know, there's, a, there's an article on ESPN.com right now that, about him becoming a head coach one day that talks about how he's kind of the guy that holds Greg Popovich back sometimes and kind of is that calming voice on that San Antonio Spurs bench. Um, he's, he's a guy that, that's been on NBA coaching radars for a few years. Kind of a youngish guy, for sure. He's been out of the league for a little bit less than, than six years now, or about six years now. Um, went straight from the league to the bench. Unlike Jacques Vaughn, he has a little bit more experience. I think that that there is a little bit of hesitance, certainly from the fan base, to go down the Spurs path because of the Jacques Vaughn failure. But at the same time, uh, Udoka has got a lot more experience, um, has that relationship already built in with a lot of players as well, and, and I think that is something that's definitely in his favor, something that uh, the Magic certainly could use a little bit of. Um, you know, a lot of these coaches we're talking about are, are about player relationships, and, and getting the players to buy in and trust what they're saying so that they can hold them accountable and the X's and O's will come or, or the X's and O's are, are, are something that, that seems to be fairly standard around the league at the you know at least. But Yudoka um, is a guy that's been on the radar for a while. Not surprising that he got an interview. He's gotten interviews elsewhere as well. But the bigger name came later in the afternoon around 5 o'clock-ish, I would say. Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel reporting that the Orlando Magic have an interview scheduled with former Memphis Grizzlies coach and former Miami Heat assistant coach David Fisdale. Obviously, this is the biggest name yet to have a confirmed interview with the Orlando Magic. This is the biggest name uh, to to be on the Magic's radar and to potentially get a look at this job with the Memphis Grizzlies. He had a, a fairly pedestrian record, I, I do have to say. It's not as good as you would think. Um, in two se- and, and a little bit more than a season, I guess, season and a half, he went 50-51. and 43-39 and 39 in his first season. They made the playoffs, lost to the Spurs in six games. Had that famous rant, take that for data. 
as well as they're not going to rook us. That famous rant, one of the all-time great playoff rants. And is he's clearly a passionate guy that that goes to bat for his team. That was something that was evident when he was with the with the Miami Heat, and why LeBron James loved him, why the Heat players loved him. Uh, it, it's it's very evident the passion that he has for his team and for his players. But obviously, things didn't work out in Memphis last year. Ended up going seven and twelve before he was surprisingly dismissed. Some of the reasons, some of the speculation for why, some disagreement with ownership, uh, perhaps clashing a little bit with star player Marcus Soule. A lot of it's, a lot of it's the players. Um, Memphis's ownership situation is not exactly stable either. It was a little bit of a mess uh, at the end for for David Fisdale and the Memphis Grizzlies. But to a lot of people, he remains one of the top coaching candidates out there. He's obviously a name people recognize, which. For better or worse, sells tickets. Um, I think the Magic went down down that path with Frank Vogel and didn't quite get the results they expected. Um, and and if you believe Josh Ro- and and if you believe Josh Robbins reporting, which I do, it seems like the Magic got a little starstruck going after Vogel instead of going after the right guy, maybe or or, or treasuring continuity after Scott Skiles' re- resignation. Um, with Rob Hennigan reportedly pushing Adrian Griffin to to replace Scott Skiles instead of. Uh, going with uh, going with a, an established coach like Frank Vogel, um, I think Fisdale would be a fine coach. Uh, I think I think what happened in Memphis was outside of his control. Is this the kind of team that that he really wants to dig into? That part I don't know. Uh, as I I think I say in in the upcoming interviews, and as I think I've continued to say, this coach is really about building a culture, and Fisdale would be great at building a culture. He he, he absolutely was a key part of the culture that Eric Spolstra built with the big three, with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh that made that team great and honestly has made that team um, has made that team good where they are now, honestly. But obviously, too, uh, you got to get it right, the right coach in the right situation, someone who is going to be in lockstep with management. Uh, and, you know, who knows if Fisdale's really that guy. And, and you know, I think... What's most important now coming out of this, now that we know some of the names, David Vanderpool being the only other one confirmed, Jerry Stackhouse is believed to have an interview scheduled with the Magic as well, if he hasn't done it already. What needs to happen now is the Magic need to figure out from these interviews who their guy is, who is the one that's going to lead this team into the future. And so with that, with those thoughts in mind, let's bring in our guest, Stuart Hodge. There's obviously a lot to get to as the Magic continue to build their their franchise from the ground up. And Stuart, I think you do a great you did a great job kind of hitting to, to to the point of some of these questions as we look back at the season. Now we're going to look forward to the off season. So Stuart, uh, first off, before we dive in dive into any of that, what did what did you think of our, our first effort here? And 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 what do you hope that that fans got back got from it if they want to go back and look in the archives? Well, I mean, as you mentioned, Philip. I am a journalist myself, and I think that that's quite an important thing to point out here. So I'm someone who's passionate about giving information and, and transmitting opinions and all of that different stuff. But the important thing, I think, as a journalist, the most vital skill that you can have is to ask the right questions. That's something I'm very passionate about. And to be honest, as we move forward with this and, and perhaps include a bit more interactive um, sort of input from fans and, and that sort of thing, that's something I'm quite excited about. But at this early stage, what I've been trying to do is just ask the key questions that need asking. 
and and to try and probe your expertise and keep you on your toes a little. And I think we managed to do that. And definitely for a first go, I was quite happy with it. What about yourself? Yeah, I think it was a really, really good, uh, good, good, good way to mix things up on the show. I know I tend to monologue a lot. I know I know my listeners enjoy when I do have guests on and, and do enjoy kind of the interaction. And, and it's a different way to get to the to the heart of issues that are facing this team, to have someone asking questions. Like, I can ask myself questions all I want, but I know <laughs> the answers I want to give because I'm asking the question. Uh, so it, it's definitely good to get this interaction and get a kind of different look or a different thought on how to approach some of the issues facing this team. And obviously the Magic do have some big issues facing them. And so I want to turn the table over to you. We looked back the last time a few weeks ago when when, when we reviewed the season. Now we're two weeks away from the NBA draft lottery. The Magic's coaching search is picking up. The future is in front of us. What do you have for me? (laughs) Well, we'll get to the future in a minute, but I think we should start with the here and now. And the most pertinent news of the moment is, of course, concerning the Magic's ongoing search for a new head coach. Adrian Wojnarowski reported yesterday that the Magic are set to interview Emi Odoka, the assistant of the San Antonio Spurs, for the job. So, first off, what do you think of him? What's your opinion on his credentials? Uh, you know, uh, whenever whenever you think of San Antonio Spurs coaches, you, you want to believe that they're going to be really good and, and, and that the Spurs yeah. tree is really good. And, and Udoka is someone that I've had on my list. I've had Etor Messina on my list of potential coaches for this team. So I'm not surprised that the Magic brought him in. He seems like the exact kind of coach the Magic want to bring in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think Magic fans are right to be a little concerned after the Magic hired Jacques Vaughn off that San Antonio Spurs coach a few years ago. Yeah. What's really important to me is, are you setting a good culture? And, and it sounds like Udoka, who has six years on the assistant uh, as an assistant coach rather than just two, the two that Vaughn had, it seems like Udoka is very, very well thought of around the league. Um, he was kind of a journeyman player, uh, so he's been through through the wars with guys. He has good relationships with his with his players, um, and, and guys really seem to like him, and, and they like his calm presence on, on, on the bench. He's not someone that's going to overreact to things, and I think that's good. You need to kind of be able to keep an even keel. Yeah, I um, think that's an important point. He is, is really serene anytime you see him, isn't he? Yeah, he, he really is. And and I think that's what made him great as a or made him good as a player. I wouldn't call him great necessarily, but that's what made him good as a player too. Um, he is certainly someone that, I mean, when you're looking at coaches, it, we really don't know uh, for, for a lot of these guys. I mean, the other guys that have been reportedly connected to, to, to the Magic through interviews, uh, Ime Yudoka now, David Vanterpool, assistant coach from the Portland Trailblazers, and Jerry Stackhouse, the head coach for Raptors 905. None of those guys have coached as a head coach in the NBA before. So you really don't know how they're going to take to that lead job. Um, you, you don't really know. And, and and while, like a David Vanterpool, for instance, is, is sort of credited with getting the, getting the most out of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you don't really know what that effect was. How would that effect kind of scale up to being a head coach? And so you hope that your decision maker, which in this case is, is president of basketball operations, Jeff Weltman, you hope that he knows what he's looking for and that in the interviews, he makes the right judgment uh, because, you know, at, at, at a certain point, like all these guys are really good. Like, I mean, there, there's a certain point when I'm looking for a head coach where I'll be sitting there and pretty much any name that pops up, I'll think to myself, huh, I wonder if he'd be good. Like like, you, like you're doing with me, Jeff yeah. Altman's got to ask the right questions in the interview and make sure he gets the right guy. Well, that's a good point. But what I'm thinking is, if you, with the names you mentioned there, Vanderpool, Udoka, Stackhouse, 
they're all young coaches. They're all coaches on the up, if you like. So what do you think that says about the profile that the Magic have got in mind for, for the person they want as the new head coach? Yeah, and I think that this is really what we should take out of this rumor. Not that the Magic are going to hire Yudoka, not that the Magic are interviewing Yudoka, although I think that that is important news. I think what we can really say is, okay, now we know that the Magic are in the interviewing stage of their coaching search. So I've had a lot of fans come, come up to me over the last few days and say, what's going on with the Magic coaching search? Why aren't we hearing anything? And, and I always have to remind everyone that just because you're not hearing rumors doesn't mean something isn't going on. The lack of reporting does not mean a lack of action. But yeah. I think we can say from, from who the Magic are looking at that they are looking to go with kind of a young, up-and-coming coach. They're not looking for a retread like they, I mean, Frank Vogel I don't think is a retread, but they're not looking for a coach that, that maybe necessarily has a lot of NBA experience. Those coaches tend to want to win immediately and tend to want the management to make moves to win immediately. That's not where the Magic are at. The Magic are at the stage where they need to establish a culture. They need someone who they believe can grow from the coach that builds a culture to wins with that culture to eventually maybe even winning a championship. It's it's kind of silly to say this, but they're looking for a guy like Brett Brown who... Mm. You know, maybe doesn't stomach losing. I don't think I don't think that's the right phrase, but can take can suffer those losses, and then build the right habits through them to the point where when they do have the talent, they take that next step, which Philadelphia obviously did this year. Uh, I look at a guy like Quinn Snyder. That's another guy that that I think the Magic should be kind of modeling after. Yeah, he's he's built a culture with the Jazz where they just continually bring in the right guys, get the most out of their players, and, and built up kind of slowly. Um, even through some losing, they, they keep the faith, they keep kind of the even keel that, that they need, and they believe in what they're building. And so I think that's really what the Magic are looking for. And so whoever's interviewing for the head coaching job, they better have a very specific idea of what they want to do with the key players on this roster and how they want to play. And that needs to jive with what Jeff Waltman's thinking and what he wants to build. So you keep mentioning that word culture and the building of it. What is that culture going to be? I mean, do we have any impression at this point of what the front office have got in mind as to the way they want this team to play? Uh, you know, I, I think there is a little bit of confusion between kind of culture and playing style. I think they, they, they are related, but I think, I think it's two different concepts almost. With, okay. a guy like, with a guy like Jonathan Isaac, uh, with, with knowing the kind of teams that John Hammond built with the Milwaukee Bucks, um, even to some extent Jeff Waltman, bu- Waltman built with the Toronto Raptors or helped build with the Toronto Raptors, uh, and, and some of the philosophies that he's espoused publicly, I do think the Magic want to be kind of a modern, versatile team where you, know, you, have, guy, you have guys on the wings who can play multiple positions and switch defensively. I mean, I think the idea that a lot of Magic fans have had of you know, having a Jonathan Isaac... Aaron Gordon, Muhammad Bamba, Jaren, or Jaron Jackson, or whoever front line, they get really they get really excited about that defensively because of that ability to just wall off the paint and just switch everything on the perimeter. I think that's part of the playing style that the Magic eventually want. Right now, the picture is just so muddy because we don't really have any clue what the final product of this team is going to look like. Culture, though, to me, is something very different. Culture to me is about kind of the standards and practices you set behind the scenes. What is sort of, I mean, what is sort of acceptable effort? What is kind of the, the mundane effort that you have to give every single day to get, get through the game? And how do you make sure that players stay engaged and continue to improve? 
Um, I think that, you know, I, I think we mentioned this last time out with Frank Vogel. I would have probably kept Vogel another year. I, I think that Vogel was beginning to set some of the culture that this team needed. I thought we did see individual improvement. The problem is everyone mm-hmm. kind of expects this team to win, and, and the roster's kind of set up where they kind of need to win because they, they don't have a lot of maneuverability. That's not yeah. where the Magic are really at in, in, in reality, and I think they're gonna get a, they're gonna end up with a coach that's that's kind of like that, where they they just they sort of are trying to restart from scratch. And so, culture to me is about the approach you bring every day to work, the belief in what you're building, the, the consistency and patience in what you're building, uh, and building kind of positive habits. Are you playing hard? Are you working hard? Are you doing things that will eventually lead to wins? You may not have the talent to win today, but what you're doing will eventually create victories. I think that's that's really what we're talking about when we talk about culture. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting distinction that you make between both of those there. But how much of that do you think comes from the head coach? Do you not think it's an organizational thing? It has to be all parts working together. It it really it really is a whole organizational thing. I I, I do agree with that. It's 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 commitment from ownership down to the training staff to believe in what you're building. And I think you know when when you talk, I, I've I've had this discussion a million times about the Philadelphia 76ers and what they did. Philadelphia got some extreme lottery luck. They they played the system perfectly. They were willing they were willing to lose as an organization to build up the talent base that they have. And the reason they're so successful is absolutely the talent. But I think if you look at the Magic too, when you look at the Magic as well, you see a team that had the ta- that didn't have maybe the elite talent, but were in position to to draft a lot of big name talent. But instead, they weren't able to develop them. And so uh, it, it, it starts with, I think, management having a clear vision of the kind of team they want to be and, and the kind of organization they want to be. It's ownership committing to that vision and giving them the resources to do that. And then it's the coaching staff instilling and implementing that vision and, and instilling and implementing that, that work ethic and that idea in the players, no matter what the results are. It's, it's, it's process over results. That's a favorite phrase of the San Antonio Spurs, uh, among many other teams. Mm. And so... I, I like the big arguments that I got into this season with a lot of fans was look the magic could get the top pick and that would fix a lot of that would fix problems no doubt about it it's not a bad thing to put yourself in position to get the top pick but none of the but the major problems that this franchise faces aren't going to get fixed until those cultural problems are fixed and so I thought and 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 this is this is kind of where I go I think that ownership realizes the mistakes that they made over the last six years. They've given a ton of resources and a ton of trust to this management group. This management group will now come in, bring in their coach, bring in their type of players. Uh, you can see that in Jonathan Isaac and Jonathan Simmons especially. Um, guys who work hard, you know, can, can, can kind of be grinders a little bit. Um, they'll bring those guys in and kind of begin establishing that culture and the coach will play a big piece of it as the connection between the management and the players. And when the players buy in, that's when you know you've got something building in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to player improvement, I think you're you're right on the money. There wasn't enough of that happening in the Hennigan era, and I think that's where a lot of the Magic's problems have fallen down. Rather than just 
going with the easy cop-out option and saying the draft picks themselves were a bust. I don't think it's as simple as that. I think it's a bit more to do with the development. And also there was an element of giving up too early, I think particularly with Oladipo. Um, yeah. You've seen the strides that he's made with the Pacers uh, this season. The, and, and don't get me wrong, I think his year playing alongside Westbrook massively helped in that regard. I mean, would you agree? I would absolutely agree. And, and Oladipo's on record saying this, like, he he felt like he was not going to reach his potential in Orlando. This is just the environment and the atmosphere wasn't there to 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 emphasize what makes him good to show That's him really worrying though, isn't show it? him what work it absolutely isn't. But and you know my response to that is okay, the uh, okay the 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 team fired the management that that had those problems. And in fact, you know Weltman according to according to several reports. Has pretty much fired everyone that 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 interacts with the players on a regular basis in in, in the front office. The training staff is gone, the the medical staff is gone. I I, I, I saw uh, Evan Fournier gave an interview in France, and he said even the chefs are gone. Like they are they are starting from scratch and building this thing up from the ground up this summer. So exactly, it's, and that it's comes going to be a lot about an overriding culture. They've obviously looked at this and gone something's rotten right at the core of the apple here, yeah. and they're all over again and I, I think that's only a good thing and rather than emphasizing the negative which it's really easy to do after going so long without a winning season I think we've got to actually look at this as a positive thing we're at the start of something new here and and that needs to be the prevailing attitude for me moving forward although far be it for me to to tell every fan what to think anyway let's move on a bit let's look forward a bit now um thinking ahead to the draft First off, who would you take in an ideal world? Who would be the best pick for the Magic right now? Are, are we talking about if the Magic get the number one pick or, or who's just top on I, my board? I, or? If, if we had the number one pick, who would be the best pick for the Magic in an ideal world? Uh, Luka Doncic is the best player in this draft. Um, I, I don't think, I don't, I, I know people want to argue that, um, and, and they should. I don't think it's clear cut, but in my mind, Luka Doncic is the best player in this draft. Um, there are there are some concerns defensively with him. Uh, his athleticism may not be as great as it could be. Uh, you know, he, there is some concern that about him getting a shot off. But he is such a skilled offensive player. He's such a mature offensive player. He is a guy that you can stick on the roster. Put, you know, put him at the two. Put him at the. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put him at the one full time, but essentially run him as your point guard offensively. Uh, he will run your team and make them better. He will pass guys open. He he has that vision and that creativity. Uh, and, and that's something, I mean, a, a lot of Magic fans are focusing on the point guard position because that's an obvious position of need. The Magic kind of need that off-the-bounce creativity and craftiness. And, and, and Doncic is far and away the most developed and ready player for the NBA in this draft. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting one because um, with DJ Augustine there, he's, he's more of a shot maker than a creator. So if you've got someone at the two who is able to create and do a bit more of that, then perhaps another year of Augustine as first choice starter, maybe not such a bad thing if you've got someone who could compliment him like that. Yeah, and, and I, think, uh, I think that's one of the things that, that we kind of learned about DJ Augustine is like, yes, he can, he can run the point, but he works really well with a secondary ball handler, kind of mm-hmm. running, running the half-court offense and, and letting Augustine work more off the ball. Um, you know, I think that's what made him and Jonathan Simmons work really well together in their lineups. I think that's honestly why he and Shelvin Mack worked really well together, surprisingly. Their, their, yeah, their offensive cool. rating was really, really good uh, when they were on the floor together. Um, you know, I, we all know, I think, that D.J. Augustin isn't the long-term solution at point guard. Uh, I don't think it's 
necessarily the end of the world if he ends up starting opening night next year. Um, I, 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 I tell fans this all the time that, uh, <laughs> that really you're not going to fix every problem in one year. So it's, it's about, again, finding the right guys, not just any guy. And, and I think fans, you know, want to see the team take steps forward. And, and I think they will, but, um, maybe not in the ways people expect. Uh, so, you know, I think, that, I think Doncic would complement a player like Augustin really, really well, though, uh, if you're looking at the current roster that way. At this point in the draft, to me, you just take the best player available. You need everything. I mean, the only really the only thing that I would be hesitant about is Jonathan Isaac's clearly a guy you care about and want to want to build around. Aaron Gordon is also possibly a guy you want to keep around too. And so, I wouldn't want to draft any players that that um, that bump into them too much. But other than that, I think I think you don't worry about position. You need just about everything to be successful this year. Mm. Just briefly uh, on this one, with Doncic, he's so well developed already. Is there a slight concern maybe about his upside? Uh, a, a little bit. I think the biggest concern with him is, yes, Euro, ba- Euro hoops, Euro, uh, Euro league, Euro basket are very different games than the NBA. Um, the NBA... Uh, is a lot more about athleticism. And Doncic's athleticism is definitely a major concern, I think. Uh, not not a major concern, not enough to keep me from drafting him, but I don't think Doncic is ever going to be an elite defensive player. I don't think he's... He's, he's probably going to be, at best, an average defensive player. There is a lot of concern that against more athletic defenders, he's not going to be able to get into the paint as much uh, and do some of the things that he's been able to successfully do for the Slovenian national team at, Euroba- at Eurobasket or for Real Madrid in EuroLeague and, and the ACB League. Um, my guess is he will figure it out or he's probably better at it than we expect and we're maybe transposing some... Uh, some bias in there, uh, you know. I, I think there's definitely whenever there's draft discussion, there is bu- there is bias that you have to look out for um, in, in how you discuss some of these 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 prospects. And so, I generally think that uh, I generally think that 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 Doncic can overcome these 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 shortcomings, if you want to call them that, and and make that next step. Mm, okay. Obviously, the lottery hasn't happened yet, but who do you think the Magic would take, assuming that they pick fifth? Or at least, what what type of player do you think they will look for? In the draft, I, again, I think they're looking for the best best player available. I think that they're looking to uh, looking to just, just add another piece to the puzzle. That's, that, that's how I've described it. It's, they're not looking to hit a home run here. They're not looking to get their next superstar. I, I, think, I think expecting that, if, if, if fans are expecting... You know, with the fifth overall pick, the Magic need to get a future All Star. Yeah, that would be nice. That's obviously the goal. You want to take the best player you can take. But really, to me, I think that the goal is get someone who will be a piece of the puzzle moving forward. Someone so who can, then? So who? You know, it, it, it all depends where they pick. Um, I, I, Doncic and Aiden are my top two guys. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State is is right behind them on, on my list. Um, but other than that, you know, you're looking at Mo, Mo Bamba from Texas, the, the long defensive-minded center, um, mm-hmm. who is is should already be a strong shot blocker uh, when he enters the NBA. Um, I, you would go then to maybe a Trey Young from Oklahoma, the, the hot shooting point guard. Uh, I think that you got to you got to at least take a look at Michael Porter and his medicals from Missouri. Even though I think he bumps into what Gordon and Isaac do, I think that he's He's a potentially uh, potentially special scorer, and and if he's yeah, healthy, if he's healthy, you can't ignore that. I mean, maybe 
I mean, we will, I'm sure we'll talk about Aaron Gordon in a little bit, but if you think Michael Porter Jr. is a better version of Aaron Gordon or a better player than Aaron Gordon, I have no problem letting Aaron Gordon walk. You better be right on that gamble, especially after what happened with Victor Oladipo. But, <laughs> but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. And maybe you keep Gordon for a year or two and see what Porter does off the bench or, or whatever in, in kind of the same way that, that the Bucks had to with Jabari Parker while he went, went through his injury problems. But I think... There, there are, to me, I've said this all year as, as I had these discussions about whether the Magic should tank or not. There are seven really good players in this draft. The Magic will end up with one of those seven players, even if it's Marvin Bagley, who I'm not as high on as, as other people. That means I think the Magic will get a piece to the puzzle. And, and if they do that, and if they develop him properly, that will make this a successful draft. Totally agree. In terms of Trey Young, who's the outlier in the sense that he's he's the only sort of point in that in that elite bracket of players available, given the amount of focus on that position, is there a chance that they might be tempted to go for him, even if another player with a bit more length, perhaps uh, in the in the defensive positions, is available? Um, you know, it 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 certainly seems like to me that. If Trey Young is the best player on the board, if if Jeff Weltman and John Hammond and their staff come to the decision, or as they sort through their draft board, and they think Trey Young is better than Muhammad Bamba, they will take Trey Young. Uh, if they think if they're sitting at five or six and Mo Bamba and Trey Young are on the board, and they think Mo Bamba is better, they will take Mo Bamba. I, I really think it's it's that kind of calculus. It's not about it's not about fitting a need. It's not about finding a point guard. It's yeah, about it's finding the best player you can find. Yeah. Because no. I mean, the Magic need everything. I mean, we're we're talking about a team that's got 20 that had 25 wins last year, has kind of been 6 years in the wilderness. They need everything. We were expecting Nikola Vucevic to get traded. So the center position's open. Uh Bismack Biombo doesn't seem like the answer there. And so mm. you, you with the, every draft you kind of got to take what's in front of you. You can't say, oh, I wish we could have a better shooter here, but or I want to take a shooter like a, like a Mikal Bridges, who I think would be a really good pick. I think six would be a little high for him, but he'd be a really good pick. We really need a shooter, so let's take Mikal Bridges, but Mo Bamba's better. You still got to take the best player at this point because you're so far away from where you need to be. Okay, so finally on this topic, and this is probably the hardest question, if we don't draft a point guard... How do we go about solving that problem? And how important is that in terms of making this team competitive? Uh, obviously, point guard's a really important position. I, I don't think we can get around it. In in this modern NBA, the point guard position feels like it's everything. There are so many good point guards in the league today. Guys who just, who are able to just get into the lane and cause havoc on, on defenses. And I think, honestly... A lot of the reason why uh, Trey Young is getting so much attention, it's not just the scoring. When you watch him play, he has that Steph Curry ability to warp a defense and get other people open. Shooting, especially from the point guard position, and especially from a guy who's a pretty good passer. Trey Young's pat. We don't talk about Trey Young's passing enough. A guy who can get into the lane, shoot off the dribble, and pass is really, really valuable to just kind of twist a defense until it breaks. And that's what a lot of teams in the NBA are able to do today. And so I think it is an important position to, to, to fill and one that the Magic need to make sure they get the right guy in. But 
I also think it's important for Magic fans to remember that you're not going to fix all your problems in one summer. Mm-hmm. This team has a long way to go. And they're probably, and, and, and this is going to, Magic fans are going to hate hearing this, I think. They're probably not going to be a playoff team next year. They're not going to be able to, to make the changes they need to make unless unless they get a guy like a Donovan Mitchell who unexpectedly becomes an all-star, essentially. I mean, I, Donovan Mitchell wasn't an all-star this year, but, but you know, you get my yeah, point. This really emerges like that. If Aaron Gordon takes another leap, sure, why not? But you know, Jonathan Isaac takes another leap, sure. It's, it's possible. I'm not saying it's impossible. But I think you got to recognize that this team is pretty far away and that they're going to need time to kind of reset the table a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking to make picks to help the team win or, or even necessarily free agents, I think, to help the team win in 2019, I think that's really, really short-sighted and, and, and not really the direction the Magic are heading. Yes or no answer. Is it going to get worse before it gets better? I, I, I've been saying this for a while now, and, and I, I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's quite hit everyone yet. I think mm. next year it is very I think the 2019 season, it is very possible the magic's record is worse, but the team will feel more hopeful. You will, you will see a path forward. And I think that's more important than wins and losses next year. Yeah, I completely agree. As a sort of final topic today, let's talk not not just about the draft, because we're obviously looking forward to that, but we're now at the stage where we're seeing, right, whereabouts are we going to come in the lottery? And we all know the kind of lottery luck the Magic have had uh, in years gone by. Let's have a look at a bit of the potential roster restructuring that could go on um, in and around the off-season. So first off, let's talk Aaron Gordon. Do you agree with his own assessment that he's a max player? And do you expect him to get a max deal or a near max deal? I, I don't think he's a max player. Um, I thought that, that that was a bit of overconfidence from Aaron. And, and, and negotiating posture, perhaps, too. And, and he should absolutely believe that. Like, no, all credit to him. He had a great season. He, he showed some flaws. And I, I personally think they're growing pain. So I think I'm willing to invest in them and, and overlook those flaws. But I don't think that he—I I don't think that he is a max player. I don't th- think that he is a guy who uh, who you want to give a quarter of your cap space to, or cap cap room to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think he's a very valuable player. I think that he will get near max money. The, the, the max next year is going to end up around twenty-five million dollars. I've kind of settled in that I'm comfortable paying Gordon somewhere in the twenty to twenty-two million dollar per year range. With the way that this summer is structured, this summer is going to be really weird because there's only like five teams with max cap space. Paul George is on the market, so he's going to go first, pretty much. His decision is going to affect everyone else. Someone is going to throw a lot of money at Aaron Gordon. I think that's inevitable. Um, there are teams that could use a guy like him and, and could see the, the same good things that we saw in him and want to invest in that. The Magic have the right to match, and so they've got to really ask themselves, how much are we willing to pay? Or are we just going to match anything and trust that he will continue to develop? That's really the big question, I think, for the Magic. And and it'll be interesting to see how they answer that. And and I suspect that they will agree and, and bring him back for almost any price. Okay. 
That's one man down. Let's talk Vooch now. Do you expect him to move on, and would that be a good thing for us? And what kind of return do you think we could get for Vooch in terms of value? I, I think Nikola Vucevic is going to get traded this summer. I, I think that um, it, it just it just feels like time. Uh, you know, it, it especially with all the bigs in this year's draft. I think that the Magic know that Vucevic puts a ceiling on what they can do. He's a good guy. He is. Um, uh, he he's a good guy. He did everything that was asked of him. He, and honestly, I I I know some people question his effort, and and there may have been a few moments where I was where I I questioned his effort too. But generally, he played as hard as he could and bleeds for this team. And and, and it sucks that for him to to put all the effort and all the work that that he did, they just couldn't get over the hump. And unfortunately, I think a lot of that it, it's not Vucevic's fault. But just naturally, he puts a, a limit on what you can do as a team because his defense is so is just not good, um, and it's not for lack of effort; it's it's just lack of talent on that end. Yeah. No, I think that's true. So, in terms of return for him, what what can what can we expect? That's the part that that I have a hard time figuring out. Um, I know a lot of people were upset with what the Magic got for Alfred Payton. Vucevic is a little bit different because he's got some salary on him. He's an expiring deal, so I think there will be a team that. Maybe needs a backup center and and is trying to make a playoff push and they they'll say to themselves Vucevic coming off the bench maybe scoring 13, 14 points per game that would be perfect for us mm-hmm. and 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 so we'll give up something of value for it I, I think you'll get maybe a, a veteran who's maybe on a bad contract not a bad contract that'll cripple you but a contract that you would definitely say like okay he's getting overpaid but but that's that's the price of doing business and then maybe like a struggling young prospect somewhere or or a second round pick I, I don't think. You know, there are Magic fans who th- I think think that you'll get a starter back for him. That's not going to happen. You're not getting nope. a starter back for Nikola Vucevic. That's just not going to happen. And at this point, teams, I think, know the Magic need to kind of move on from him. So they're not going to give you great offers for him. But at the same time, I think the Magic just need to kind of take what they can get and move on because it's it's time to flip over this core. It's time to start fresh and time to start new because what they have isn't working. And unfortunately, I think Vucevic is a big part of that. Yeah, that's true. I think the key thing is as well, there's so many players on the Magic roster where you think, is there even a market for this guy? Yeah. Vukovic, there's definitely a market for with the scoring that he offers and the style of player that he is. He's an ideal guy to come off the bench for a team which believes it can, if not contend for the NBA championship, at least make the playoffs. Cool. Right. Mario Hezonia, who for me was, it was one of my favourite things in the season just gone, looking at Mario Hezonia finally beginning to resemble even the the talent that we thought he had. Let's not even talk about the ceiling or anything like that. We drafted this guy so high and he was such a disappointment before that. But as you said, actually, last time out, this season he finally looked like an NBA player. Of course, we didn't take the option. So do you think we will be able to keep him? And would you like us to? Uh, you know, it, I would absolutely love the Magic to keep Mario Zonia. I, I think that Zonia showed a lot of growth. And, and I think that he's a guy, again, for continu- even for continuity's sake, he's a young guy who is continu- who's put in a lot of effort, has shown he will put in a lot of effort, and... and can continue to grow and, and, and build off what he did this year. Um, he's got a decent shot. It's, it's it's not maybe as good as we all hoped it would be, but it is decent, and, and he just showed so much improvement over the course of this season. Um, I wouldn't mind bringing him back. It's, 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 it's a little bit about price, but 
I think that he is a young player. Why not? Why not bring him back? Um, the, the thing with Mario Azonia, though, is is he needs playing time. And if the mm. Magic can't give him playing time, he shouldn't want to come back. If the Magic can't guarantee him playing time, he should want to go somewhere where he can play because that uh, that's obviously the missing ingredient for him. Uh, he did not hit the floor much last year or much two years ago and much early in the season. Once he did, you could see him get confident. You could see him build off 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 of what he was what he off his talent and and look a little bit like that first that fifth overall pick. But playing time still isn't guaranteed to him. He still makes a ton of mistakes, and so he needs to go somewhere that truly believes in him and is willing to give him that time to to make mistakes. And that's really I think what he should be looking for more than money is opportunity. If he can get opportunity somewhere, then. He will. He will. Fi- I think he will find moderate success. I think he will become a solid bench player for in the NBA. Yeah, I totally agree. But in terms of the magic, do you think that's going to be a potential fit this summer? Or I'm just sort of reading between the lines of what you said there. Do you, based on what you just said, expect him to move on? I, I expect him to move on. I think it's more mutual than anything else. I, I don't think he quite fits the 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 style that the Magic wants. While he played a lot of power forward, and I think most people would agree he's not really a power forward. The reason the Magic played him at power forward was to kind of hide his weaknesses. Mm-hmm. They wanted him defending slower players, uh, essentially. They wanted him driving against slower players. When he got switched on to kind of wings, he struggled a lot more on both ends of the floor. Um, and so I think that, that that is more of the concern on the Magic's end is he doesn't really fit what the Magic are trying to build to, which is this super versatility where you can guard multiple positions. Really, it felt like the Magic were hiding him. Yeah, that's a really, really good assessment because that that's the absolute nub of that issue. Hezonia, taking away the, the context of, of his position in the Magic's roster, when you take that away, you would say it's an absolute no-brainer. You have to keep him because he's had that season and you should really try and push the boat out to to keep him on the roster. But he just doesn't fit that identity kit which the new front office appearing to be bringing in with length, athleticism and versatility at the real hub of what they're trying to build. They're trying to to build a more modern team in, in that regard. And although Hizonia did make progress in the, in the defensive end and, and there was evidence that he he was improving in all facets of his game the magic just don't have the time to to work with someone like that who's not naturally going to fit into their system so i I think that was a really good answer um next one and we're getting towards the end here is there any potential at all of us dumping the chalice contract that is bismack beyond um do you want yokim noah's contract yeah, that that's exactly what I was thinking. It's it's a straight swap, and like with the Knicks, and and then you wonder. I mean, is there a way we could maybe get another asset out of a second round pick or something? Honestly, and, honestly, I'd rather have Bismack Biombo's contract than Joachim Noah's contract. Like that, like Joachim Noah's contract is worse than Bismack Biombo. Uh, period. I, I mean, I like Noah, but he's injured. At least Biombo's playing, um, and Noah's contract is worth more money. And goes on longer than Biombo's. So um, it seems like that's kind of the only deal you're going to get for Biombo. It's going to be hard to convince anyone to take on all that money at this point. Um, I think you're kind of stuck with Biombo for now. Even the Sixers with their absolute heaves and heaves of gap space. No way of, of talking them into 
to in, in taking him. Um, so if we can't get rid of Biombo, is there a way that we can actually somehow generate some cap space? We mentioned Vucevic um, and, and him moving on, which is going to, to leave some money. But again, you're going to be paying Aaron Gordon a lot more probably. So that's probably going to swallow the vast majority, if not all of that up. Is there a way that the Magic can somehow manoeuvre some cap space? Because that's the thing. They've been pretty much straight-jacketed since they came in the front office by what was available. I think that was uh, the probably the predominant reason for the, in inverted commas, evaluation season that's just gone. But now what they've got to try and do is create some manoeuvrability. So do you think there's a way that the Magic can somehow generate at least some cap space? It probably won't be for this summer, but I, I think it is possible for next summer. I mean, obviously, if Evan Fournier plays better, maybe he becomes a little more valuable and you can get uh, an expiring deal or, or, or contract for a little bit lesser value uh, and send and send him out. Um, maybe you can uh, trade a Biombo if he, if he plays a little bit better and, and he enters his expiring contract. Uh, you know, I think I think that the interesting thing is like Nick, with Nikola Vucevic, if you trade out Nikola Vucevic, you're probably going to have to take back some longer-term deals because Vucevic isn't expiring, and, and and Vucevic as an expiring is valuable to the Magic in that he can come off the books. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, when it comes to cap room, I think there's a lot of obsession over free agency. And I think what Magic fans should have learned, or hopefully have learned, from the Tobias Harris trade is creating cap space does not guarantee you good free agents. And so I think right now what's important is manage the cap, kind of keep keep things, you know, kind of with with manageable, reasonable contracts that can be moved. I mean, Jonathan Simmons on a three-year $18 million deal is a steal. If the Magic need to move that deal, I think they can. Terrence Ross and Nikola Vucevic are both expiring contracts. Those are movable deals. Mm-hmm. What I think is more important for the Magic, because they're not ready for free agents right now. They're not They're not looking to add that last piece with a major free agent play. So I think what's more important for the Magic right now is put yourself in a position where you have contracts that you can move around that do have some some uh, uh, value on the market. I would suspect when the Magic trade Nikola Vucevic, it's going to eat into their future cap space. But it's going to make the team better in the long run because it'll bring in maybe a guy or two who might be a little bit more maneuverable. And that'll give you the financial flexibility you need to improve the team over the long haul. And that's going to be the key moving forward, isn't it? Because this offseason, again, I mentioned that term, a bit straight-jacketed, a bit hamstrung. It's going to be similar this offseason. It's going to be about creating any manoeuvrability that we can moving forward. The Vucevic trade is obviously going to be key moving forward because that's going to dictate, as you say, what happens with future cap space. Not just that, but also depending on what assets the Magic get back for Vucevic, that's going to dictate a lot of the, the the thinking you would think of the front office and those in charge moving in, not just to, to this off-season, but into the next off-season following this one. And I think that's going to be the part that's going to be interesting to watch. If Vucevic does get traded, when would you expect that to happen? And this is my last one for you today. I would suspect they'll try and do it at the draft. Um, if it doesn't happen in the draft, I think it'll come after the first wave of free agency. Once the dust kind of settles and everyone's like, uh, uh, we need a backup center, or we can really improve our backup center because we know Vucevic is available. I, think, I, I don't think it's a secret that the Magic are, are going to be looking to shop Vucevic around this summer. Um, and I think the Magic will be a team that teams might call and say, hey, you know, 
we need XYZ. What can you do for us? And I think the Magic will be more than willing to, to talk, at least, and see if they can get something of value back uh, in return. Fingers crossed, my good friends. Listen, thanks again for letting me fire a few quick-fire questions at you, and I'll look forward to doing it again. Yeah, absolutely, Stuart. Um, let everyone know where they can find you. I'm sure we'll be doing this again uh, in the very near future, probably maybe even after the draft before free agency starts when we get a little bit of a clearer picture. Where can people find you and maybe submit questions to ask me the next time we do this? Yeah, the best way to do that is on Twitter, and that's at Hodgie the Hack. I'll spell that out for you. It's H for Hotel, O for Oscar, D for Delta, G for Golf, E for Echo, Y for Yankee, the, as in the, T-H-E, Hack, H-A-C-K. Uh, and that's me, at Hodgie the Hack, on Twitter. Or you can also get me uh, via email if you wish. Uh, best one to use is Hodgie the Hack, as the previous spelling, at googlemail.com. Not Gmail. I've kept the old traditional Google Mail address. So if you send it to that, I think if you send it to Gmail, it still gets there. But I, I just like to be pedantic sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, 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 and give everyone your CompuServe uh, email address as well while, while we're at it. Sorry. That was a bad. That was a bad attempt at a joke on my part. I, I, I don't know even. Oh, I'm forgetting. You've got background in IT many years ago, don't you, my friend? Uh, maybe. I, I was always a computer person in my family. I was mostly because I knew when they needed to actually call a computer person. Um, <laughs> you could also submit questions to me on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as at O Magic Daily. The Orlando Magic Daily mailbag is actually open right now, so submit your questions there, or you can do so by email at omagicdaily at gmail.com, and I mean gmail.com. Uh, that's going to do it for us. You could, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnMagic. Like us on Facebook at LockedOnMagic. I'll be posting my second-round playoff predictions on LockedOnMagic.com. Be sure to check that out there. Um, like I said, I will also be back tomorrow with another episode. I've decided to, 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 to delay my vacation by a day, um, but uh, there will be no episode Friday and probably no episodes at the beginning of next week as well as a quick site, quick podcast announcement. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including a look at the 10 best games of the 2018 season. Yes, I found 10 of them. You can check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. For Stuart, my name is Philip Rossman-Reich uh, of Locked On Magic and Orlando Magic Daily. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.